0: You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join in the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. There are those famous touch tones. Welcome back to Real Presence Live as we begin our Straight Talk segment. Father Jason Leffer joining me, Father James Gross from our Grand Forks studios. The number to call is 877 122 You can also leave a message on our Facebook page at Real Presence Radio. And uh, before we dive into this, I know that you've been itching to kind of remind us of a big event that you have coming up in your
1: uh, local area. Do you want to just. Uh, oh, my gosh, refer yeah. Thanks for the, for the, for the, the shameless self promotion. Here. Uh, team. But yeah, no, in the great great city, the grand city of Pizek, North Dakota, we're having a huge thing going As we're sitting here right now, the city's being transformed. Um, our little tiny town, little tiny village we're putting on, it's called the Nepomuk Gnarly, which is a we, we we call it a gravel bike race, but it's much more than that. The whole city is being transformed into a place where everybody in the whole world has a reason to come there on July 23rd, which is this Saturday, starting as early as 6 a.m. all the way to 10 p.m. Uh, there's bike races going out. There's like over 15000 in prize money being given out. But more than that, it's a, it's a family event. It's a youth event. There's... Street fair. There's gonna be like bouncy houses. There's even St. John de Pomacine is showing up, giving out uh, 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 f- uh, ices and and cotton candy, all this kind of stuff, and free train rides. There's live music, and this is fun. So, a lot of people in Ices of Fargo know Greg and Stella Jeffrey. They've been instrumental. Greg has a band named after his wife called Stella, and they're Friday night at a meal at six, seven o'clock, live music under the tent with Greg and his band Stella. Exceptional music, very entertaining. Come be entertained, and again on Saturday evening, it's the um, we're having another live music with former seminarians. Duke Nick Dusik, who he's he's oh, from the that JT Canelli band, yes, and very JT Canelli. They're both former seminarians, and their gang. They're coming, and they are tremendous as well. Again, from uh, seven to ten, there's going to be food trucks, uh, Oriental food, Mexican food, uh, Czech food of course and dumplings and good old-fashioned american food being given so it, it is it's it's a tremendous event we have uh, the number three cyclist in the world he arrived last evening adam Robert from quebec city oh my. and uh, he came in tremendous man I, I got to spend time with him last evening and yeah and and if anybody's interested in the course you can go on to the strava website and all the courses are there you can see this 100 miles. i'm father gross I'm going to do the hundred mile race. Good picture. for you! I'm putting myself out there. My goal is to do 15 to 16 miles per hour across this rugged terrain up there. We're doing over 3,000 feet elevation down into the canyons and up and back. And it's uh, uh, anyway, it's 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 a great time for the if you want to come and be competitive or just have fun. There's an ice cream loop you can ride up the top of the hill and back down. There's uh, incredible door prizes being given out to everybody who participates. The awesome second annual edition of the gnarly t-shirt. All kinds of great stuff. Come, have fun, Fantastic. enjoy. Whether for a short time or a long time, we have overnight accommodations for people who want to come for both days. Anyway, it, it's going on. NepamunkGnarly. You can go to com. Website, if you want to check out more details.
0: That has been co- that's become quite the uh, festival, quite the event in our part of the diocese. And kudos to you and those who are working with you, the volunteers who are making that happen. So um, really looking forward to that. And yeah, it's supposed to be a little bit cooler by the weekend, so you're not looking at 90 degree highs. The 75,
1: yeah. perfect day. And I tell you what, four mile an hour winds. Can oh, that's North yeah, Exactly. I mean, I'm telling you, we should have the Nipmuc gnarly every day of the year. Last year, was three mile an hour winds. <laughs> it was 70 eight
0: degrees i mean you just
1: can't zero percent
0: chance of dust storms <laughs> in uh, walsh county uh, on saturday very good well before we get into the main topics that we were going to introduce we do have one question here um oh, that wait, was submitted so on our facebook that, page let's yes just, let's
1: let's give a teaser okay so, okay so father gross and I. this is wedding season yes this is wedding season we're both as priests we're we're knee deep ankle deep waist deep throat deep in marriage prep uh, engagements, weddings, the liturgies, unfortunately, even things like annulments, uh, things like I mean, covers the gamut. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Pope recently put out uh, an encouragement of renewal of marriage preparation, because when when a marriage goes bad, or if you do the annulment process, it isn't so much about the result, which is broken families, but what happened in the beginning. And the Holy Father is encouraging us: Can we look at the beginning? So those of you who are listening, we'd love to hear stories of if you had just a great, tremendous experience of your marriage prep or what were the things that worked well in your marriage to get you started on a, on a, you know, a good yes. vocation marriage. Mm-hmm. If you have some maybe tragic stories about what didn't go right, we'd love to hear that too. But oh. we really do want to talk about all things marriage this morning. And, yeah. and we, the goal is to silence Father Gross and I so that you call. That we hear your voice. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the only thing. way that can happen
0: is if you uh, pick up the phone, 877 is the number. And uh, we'll launch into some of those topics in just a moment. We've received a, a question, first of all, left, on our facebook page phil asks i get the title of the sorrowful heart of mary or seven dollars you know those our lady of sorrows uh, related devotions but why don't we ever hear the joyful heart of mary so is there a devotion that kind of counteracts that within the church
1: well yes it's called the five joyful mysteries of the rosary where each each one of the mysteries is about the joy Mm -hmm. of the annunciation of the gospel, God coming to man, the two becoming one. Impossible without Mary, without her heart, her mind, her body, her soul, her yes to God, the fruit of her womb coming forth, the joyful heart of mary in bringing us in into salvation absolutely mm-hmm. so yeah so they're kind of sprinkled
0: throughout the course of the liturgical year if you think of the presentation of the lord christmas visitation Annunciation, there there's no um uh, liturgical feast about the finding of the child jesus in the temple but just ma- maybe same. we need to
1: appeal to the vatican and ask them to make one <laughs> say
0: hey
1: in the name you have of nothing the else going on why don't okay, you just yeah. but now on that that's a good right p- to get into this because think about this the moment it's called the joyful mystery, the moment of finding the Christ child in the temple. But it's one of the sorrows of Mary as well. Right, so, it's
0: distress from you know losing track of him and where what happened.
1: So isn't it true, um, as a, in the human condition on this side of heaven, where original sin affects us, any moment of glory and joy is also parallel with sorrow. So think about, I mean, think about mm-hmm. this birth of a child. The joy of the child, but the pain of delivery, mm-hmm. right? Or the pain of separation, even postpartum depression. Uh, the graduation of a child from high school. The, the joy of their success, and they're making it. The sorrow of them departing from you. Um, even right. the tragedy of somebody dying. Like, the absolute sorrow tragedy of separation in this life. But the hope and the joy the, the glory to come for eternal life, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even you talk to anybody in the sacrament of marriage who um, they come together and it 's the most beautiful thing, and you can talk to any awesome holy married couple out there and they 'll say the the height of their sacrament the the union of their sacrament, and so forth, and all things are lining up physically, emotionally, psychologically, intellectually, spiritually, and they renew their their bond of marriage, and afterwards there 's always this kind of sorrow or a slight depression or something like that. This hasn't fulfilled me completely. And so I think like that the sorrow is always there to remind us we're made for something more. And like St. Augustine says, we're restless until we're completely Mm -hmm. in the Lord. And so it's always, yes, there's joy here and there's glory here but it's never going to complete you fully here because you were not made for this broken yeah. world, mm-hmm. but for the world to come. I up, think Lord.
0: Blaise Pascal talked about the cross-shaped hole in the Christian's heart that uh, only Christ can, can fill. So just to give you a little bit more background about what we are thinking about with regard to marriage preparation, not only because of the time of year and all the different weddings that people are in and invited to and stuff, um, the story came out earlier this summer that one of the dicasteries, used to be called congregations, whatever, was... Um, uh, uh, for laity, the family, and life, is issued a draft document. It's uh, right now in Italian and Spanish. I don't think the additional um, languages, uh, translations have come out. Anyway, the title of it is Catechumenal Itineraries for Married Life. And really the the theme behind this is uh, the Holy Father asking the church throughout the world to consider how to prepare well couples entering into marriage to entice them to receive the blessing of the church and to accompany them, uh, not just on the way to it, but after their wedding day in order to support them well. And, uh, of course, for, for me, personally, I've been thinking of the various uh, couples that I've been blessed to work with. It's been over 23 years now since uh, the two of us were ordained with our class. And uh, in my first assignment as a parochial vicar, it was a large parish, but there weren't uh, a whole lot of weddings, at least on the schedule, uh, during the time that I was there, You know, at least not. But, but uh, uh, from what I recall you mentioning, you were at one of the largest parishes in our diocese, and there were quite a few files that were sitting on your desk that were kind of passed on. Okay, now I've got to work with these people. And and <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like a negative, but you're just coming out of seminary and you have a lot of idealistic sorts of things. But here's where the rubber meets the road. You know, how do I implement what the diocese is asking and how do I really, you know, serve to be a shepherd uh, to these young people who are preparing for marriage? So I just wanted to invite you, uh, Father Leffer, to maybe share a couple of memories about what that time was like in your
1: priesthood. Yeah, you know, okay, so here here's some things that hit me immediately that I think are important to to stress. One, I remember as a seminarian I had a summer assignment and the priest made a comment. He said I, I would I would rather do ten funerals than one one marriage, prep. Right. The wedding. whole stereotype of the bridezillas and red, kind yeah. of a thing. And I, I remember that that struck me it. it it hit me wrong. like I, I was, And the reason is I thought I was called to the sacrament of marriage myself and had one desire to have a, be married and have 12 kids, you know. So it was a shock to me when I discovered, no, the Lord's actually calling me to consecrated celibacy, you know, or, or not con, but mm-hmm. the, right. the celibate life. And um, so I've always had this this huge appreciation for the sacrament of marriage. And when I was in seminary, you know, we had pope john paul his theology of the body was just coming out and all that the whole it was just like this this boom time for understanding the nuptial union and all this and so so i come in as as a as a priest not not fearing the sacrament because it it's true the point is you can do 10 funerals in the energy that it takes you to do one good marriage prep it's true but you're never going to have this opportunity. This is a golden opportunity. If we want families, if we want marriages, if we want the church to be healthy, we, we, we priests need to give our lives at that moment to guide them and encourage them, and, yeah. and and to to embrace the Christian life together. Okay. If we
0: want a revival, where if we, we are want this
1: Eucharistic revival that we're talking about mm-hmm. as well. Okay, so here I'm just going to give an observation. From this goes all the way back. I, first, as a seminarian, I started. So there's all the way back to '93 and observations up to the present. So in in the beginning, couples that came, what what I noticed was it w- it wasn't everyone who was living together. Okay. But I'd say the majority were starting to live together before they were married. Those couples that came that were living together, when they first came in, you could tell, and they were sitting down, and they they had knowledge that they were doing something that was not the approval of the church It was expressed in how they looked at each other, one another kind of a thing. And they knew they needed to do something here to get right with the church before they got married. Then the next phase, it goes into where uh, they were coming and they were no longer conscious or feeling guilty that they were doing something wrong about being married. And, and they were kind of shocked to hear the church's expectation that you, you have a, a you know, a chaste relationship prior to getting married mm-hmm. then the next phase i encountered was not not only was it that they had no knowledge it was exactly to the positive side with like father we are being wise um people you wouldn't buy a car right without test driving it we're, why
0: pay two rents and two apartments uh, why do this we're, why do that?
1: we're being wise and we're trying we're, we're basically test driving to making sure that this is gonna work yeah, which right People don't understand, but all the statistics show that that actually... Sh- you're just preparing to be divorced. You're practicing not being fruitful. Right. You're practicing being separate. You're practicing <laughs> yes. all
0: these things. Social scientists in lots of universities who were expecting the results to be otherwise when they would do these surveys found that the rate of success of marriages was diminished by that you know willful choice of cohabitation, although they were thinking
1: for all the world it wouldn't be that way. And, and, and it makes sense because they literally were practicing to be divorced. That's when you... do do the things that the church says are wrong, you're, okay. Um, then, uh, so, so. and the other thing is, the the union is starting, the only thing you know for sure about your future spouse is they're willing to have sexual relations with somebody who they're not married to. So you're, you're whether you're married or not, you're willing to do this and you've practiced it, so why would that change just because you get married now? And you're, you have this broken trust taking that into the relationship, so your marriage is being, built on a foundation that's cracked or broken, right? Mm-hmm. So something has to be fixed there in order to work. The next phase I discovered, Father Gross, was this. People just stopped approaching the church for marriage. Like, we went through this whole period where they just weren't coming. I mean, mm-hmm. it just you go look at the statistics, just dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah. They're not even coming because the church is beautiful or the ceremony, any of it. A lot of it was they weren't even bothering to get married. They were just kind of living this worldly life. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, and I'd say the last right before the pandemic even since then people are approaching the church again and for the most part they're coming without knowledge uninformed but there's kind of a curiosity we've heard about this thing like a church wedding or whatever what what does it mean what does it look like and they're they're kind of like open books they are sponges they're they're coming and because the ones who are coming they're basically good-hearted because they're not sure why they're there they're, they're not coming because their parents are telling them come or grandma and grandpa they're the, there's an of, inkling that that's yes. what
0: I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And,
1: and I've been having real great success with them, just you, know, the gospel. To, so I'd say we're kind of on this verge of a new revival for sacrament of marriage. and we Praise
0: really, God, let it be so. And
1: we really need to take advantage of it. <laughs> yes. It, you know, it kind of a thing. It, so there's cycles going on out there. Yeah. The An- another
0: analogy I like to use with married couples is that when you look at the word intimacy, there are certain levels that are appropriate to a state of life that you're in, that, you know, kind of the, the, the conjugal union, the sexual intimacy has to come once the rest. Like if you're building a house, you don't just start by, you know, putting a roof together and shingling it. You have to prep the site, whether it's a sl- Lab or a basement and frame it and wire it and all the rest of it, and then you know the roof can go on and all the rest of it. So if there are other forms of intimacy that a couple is going to be serious about and hold to not just in sen- in this in the sense of the church telling you no you can't do a b or c but let's form that spiritual intimacy that emotional intimacy of you know relating to one another and uh you know working on your relationship with god then things are in their proper perspective you know
1: i i've always uh I I would say this, I I make this statement, and I think it's true. I I can do really good, solid pre-marriage prep in five minutes. And it it comes back from, again, when I was seminary and looking at this, and and I I went and looked at the end, like, marriages that don't work, what's the problem? And all the statistics were showing the number one reason for broken marriage, And these are worldly things, uh, or or, uh, surveys they took. Number one reason has to do what I, I call money. So, worldly decisions. So it's all the money issues, the financial issues. So, what are we? What are we doing with with our money? What are? We, who makes the decision? How does it? So I call it balancing the checkbook. Okay. The second reason, number one, or second reason for divorce ha- has to do with sexual issues. So, um, being unfaithful to the nuptial union, one way or another, and there's multiple ways that could happen. And the third one. So, I think surprisingly, because it's a secular study, was God issues. Like, who, who's, um, where are you with faith and religion? So it came down to whoever's in control of money controls a relationship. Whoever controls the sexual uh, act controls a relationship. Whoever controls God controls a relationship. We're not interested in either the, the man or the woman controlling Relationship that is not how God designed it. They're meant to be helpmates, and again, that goes back to that like living together beforehand. It's it's a power struggle is what's going. We're not interested in power struggles. Mm-hmm. We're we're interested in like the two of them together being one in financial expression. We're interested in the two of them together being one, and it's not her cycle it's their cycle under which we get to talk about later in the program right Mm -hmm. Uh, we're not interested in somebody dominating with god or forcing somebody to relate to but rather the the two of them together even if one of the partners is a non-believer well how how are you you're still spiritual how are you going to be spiritually united so I, i always tell people um it uh, Takes me five minutes to teach you how to balance your checkbook, how how the the man holds holds the chart for communication becomes your your cycle, not her cycle, and um, learning how to pray together. And the first step, first session, get their story. Have you ever prayed together? And it's a simple five minute technique teaching them how to pray together, and that begins the transformation. They've probably been physically intimate, but they've never they've never consciously, purposely been spiritually intimate so i I always talk about well you know we need to zip zip up our pants and unzip our hearts and we because it's appropriate they have a commitment called engagement let's learn now here in these next six months how to become spiritually intimate or say spiritually naked with one another, where you're exposing the depths of your being to one another in an appropriate way through prayer inviting god into it and then learning how to now let's work on undoing the woundedness and the brokenness of that broken physical trust so we get to a place of chastity. Mm -hmm. So on the day of marriage... You have a new beginning. It actually means something, and it is being consummated. The spiritual reality is being consummated in a physical way, yeah. which is completely transformative when they embrace Now, we it. just
0: have a few minutes left in this segment, so I want to give out our number one more time, 877-795-0122. We'd love to hear from you in terms of your uh, perspectives about your experience of marriage prep, uh, kind of what you see in the climate around you. Just from off and left field, one of the things that you mentioned reminded me of something uh one of the versions of the nuptial blessing the prayer that follows the lord's prayer during the wedding ceremony uh describes uh the woman as an inseparable helpmate to the man and that is a phrase that just kind of trips me up because i'm always afraid i'm going to say instead of inseparable
1: insufferable (laughs) you know it's like you're calling me an insufferable Uh helpmate (laughs) okay Okay, two things. The other okay, in that is also when the blessing of the rings, where it, you have to really stress how they say it, because it can sound like they're going to say infidelity when they when, when they put. You know, I always stress mm-hmm. how the, the words go that you say it properly if you're not careful. The other line from that nuptial blessing that strikes me every time I read it is. Um, The one gift from God that was not wiped out by the flood. Yes.
0: So back to the And when Jesus is asked about marriage, he goes to the very beginning, quite literally, in chapter two of the book of Genesis and that fundamental nature of the human person.
1: And I think at the heart of this, Father Gross, if we don't get this thing right, see what's happening right now. We had, you know, the Supreme Court gave us a second chance here with abortion, all these things. But what's happening now, it's going to come to the local level. And you're seeing it already, like um, pushes to make legislatively, to make abortion legal at the local level, at the national level, all these different kind of little lawsuits coming up, blah, blah, blah. See, it comes back to this thing that you just mentioned about if we don't help your basic boy and girl, young teenage boy, teenage girl, young man, young woman, man, woman, come to discover their identity in Christ, create the image and likeness of God, male and female, different but equal, complementary com- to complete one another, not to compete with each other. If we don't help them understand that, then it's going to be a power struggle where it's, it's 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 the man over the woman or it's the woman over the man. Like when, when you hear people say, like, say the, there's a true form of feminism, but when you hear certain feminists say, uh, we, we just want it to be equal, or you hear the transsexual movement or the homosexual movement say, we just want to be equal. Just, they don't. See, that's a lie. What they're saying is, I feel oppressed if I'm a woman who's been abused for, you know, across the centuries by the man. And that's what happened in Original Sin. Man oppresses the woman now. I say, well, I just want it to be equal. Not true. What I'm really fighting for is I want the power and I want to be able to dominate the one who's dominated me and make them feel what I've felt. That's what's behind these role reversals. And, and it's, it's a power struggle. Yeah. And so we need to change that language and thinking everything about folks. It's, yes, power is involved here. But it's about coming to re- become who God created us to be, where we, we're equal in dignity, different in function, so that life can happen. If, if we don't embrace that, then we're against everything. Like, we're against conception. We're, we're against the birth of the child. We're against education of the child. We're, I mean, we, we just we jump into the culture of death where we see... The woman, is, as a man, the woman's a threat to me. Or as a woman, the man's a threat to me. Or as a father, the child is a threat to me. Or as a mother, the child is a threat to me. Even children now, looking at the parents, elderly, they're a threat to me. They're using up all my resources. They're, they're taking away my inheritance or what have you. So we we think the answer is to obliterate to get rid of that we don't believe the basic gospel christ says i came to bring life and life more abundantly i've created you i've entrusted you with the seed go forth and plant it and be fruitful and multiply and we think Uh satan whispers in our ear and says there's not enough for you suspect your neighbor they're different from you the only way get rid of them oppress them make them go away Mm -hmm. and and this is where the the gospel of christ needs is he has shown us the way speak into it the light and the darkness the the salt of the earth like god knew what he was doing in the beginning he knows what he was doing and it's beautiful and it's simple and we just need to rediscover it and grace builds on nature if we if we get that natural thing flowing properly grace comes the life is not a threat it becomes a blessing the old testament says every time there's a life it's a blessing god mm-hmm. god has spoken into the situation
0: right so long story short the the vatican really is inviting people no matter where they are in the world to invest in this uh, element of the church in catechesis um, and to uh, tap into what uh, the second Vatican council spoke about is that universal call to holiness, because uh, without that, so many other things within the structure of society are going to be
1: vulnerable and, and crumble. Well, father gross, once again, we have succeeded in hearing our voices <laughs> for half an hour, and, but I know like, I hope this has stimulated listeners because mm-hmm. we, those who are called a vocation marriage, everybody has a story and that's the other thing i want to stress yeah i love people's stories i love when that's that's kind of the thing that inspires me when you hear the the good stories the bad stories the difficult stories the challenges as priests um that's the stuff we we need to receive from a couples it's what inspires us then to like okay where do i need to become more faithful or more holy more instructed or where do I need to become more encouraging or helpful to my couples? Mm-hmm. That, you know. Yeah,
0: and, and I just think about um, as a priest and the various people who are invited to weddings, There, there is nothing quite like being part of the journey of a couple and that wedding ceremony of a couple who's really gone into it properly. You know, where you're not sort of rolling your eyes and thinking, oh, you know, here, what what's this all about, but uh, where there's that um, that That firmness of that commitment and that commit uh, you know that reflecting the covenant, not thinking of it as a contract, you know what am I going to get and you know but uh, to be one flesh to be woven together, not just two parties brought yeah. close, but to be you know woven together, and uh, not to have anything in this world other than death dissolve or undo that commitment, so certainly our prayers go out to the couples who are yet to be married uh, this year, those who are um, uh, on the cusp of getting engaged and are thinking about the big questions, you know, what kind of wedding do I want? You know, where do I want it? And stuff like that to think about the commitment that Christ has made to us and what he is inviting us to do in return. So next hour, we're going to be visiting with some folks down in Fargo about uh, ministry to young people on the college setting. And uh, that'll be coming up after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live.